to the AFR Ratings Podcast Round 21 Wrap. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryan. Good day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. You did Adelaide versus Gold Coast at Adelaide Oval on Saturday. It was a fast start by the Crows, but credit to Gold Coast, making a game of it late. Yeah, funny old one, considering that the Sun season was on the line and they've been so impressive in the Q clash. I kind of expected a little bit more from them, and it's kind of the tale of their season, if not their existence, that they're this Jekyll and Hyde side that one week look really competitive and at other times they just completely disappear. And um, there's a lot of reasonings behind that, I can imagine. I mean, they still struggle a little bit with the depth in their 22. Tuke Miller being out seemed to expose them a little bit in the middle. And up forward, again, the, the forward line issues seem to rear its ugly head. So, yeah, the, the Crows were just significantly the better team across the day. And, and the Suns did well, as you mentioned, to, to get back in that fight. But, yeah, they were never really uh, a chance, unfortunately. Crows remain in finals contention as it stands. Yeah, I think they, I mean, on my predictor, I think I have them just sweeping in. I mean, they've got Brisbane this coming weekend, which is probably going to be a loss. It's the Gabber and really hard to beat. And then they've got Sydney and West Coast. And, you know, the West Coast one you expect to be a win, and the Sydney one probably is between those two. Like, whoever wins that will finish in the eight. So um, at the moment I've got them, yeah, sliding in because it's a home game for them, but you never really know. But, yeah, the midfield's just really started to click now. The, the insertion of Matt Crouch has taken them to another level. That that third position was up for grabs, and Saligo and Schomburg are probably the future, but they hadn't quite grabbed it. And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah the weakest points of Adelaide have have started to really come together. I mean, even the back line, we thought the absence of Butts and Murray and Duday, that that was going to yeah really let them down. And, and in consecutive weeks, we've seen the, the debut of Mark Keane and then James Borlase this weekend, and both of them just look right at home. So all of a sudden, the, the really key issues that Adelaide were having have been answered. Yeah, I completely agree. Borlase was outstanding on debut, and Mark Keane has actually just really settled into that uh, defensive unit quite well, uh, but the one I want to touch on here is Matt Crouch is proving to be a valuable asset at the Crows. Yeah, it's a funny one, like uh, whether or not they retain him because he, he's out of contract and obviously we'll have some interest now at some other clubs, but I really think they should. I, I think the, the three of, those, uh, of them are working incredibly well together. Like They hadn't really used them before because they assumed that you know Laird and Crouch were a similar player and, and Matt Crouch was a, a bit more of a defensive player, would go backwards with his disposal and not really impact a lot in terms of his pressure, but you know he, he's been a loyal servant of the club. He's toiled away at the sample, consistently been getting you know third disposal games. He gets his crack once again, and um, has shown that it was worth the investment and, and worth the patience that he's really answered the call and, and done everything that was asked of him. And the three of them just work so well together. Like Rory Laird's looking more like as we've touched on across the year that link man with the handball. Jordan Dawson likes to fight for his footy, but can get you know, open on the outside, and Matt Crouch is usually the one who gets first possession. So um, it's it's kind of working that it will be Crouch to Laird to Dawson and they get the clearance, and it's kind of been pretty smooth from there. So I really like what he's been able to do with this side, and considering, you know, there's not a lot of star free agents on the market that would want to come to Adelaide, I think they're looking at, you know, Jack Graham possibly, but I'd probably prefer Matt Crouch in there. Uh, moving on to Gold Coast, so Stephen King reiterates in his press conference these final weeks of the season will be about list evaluation. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Like, obviously the year's done and they need to look ahead to the future and the, the tale of Gold Coast's existence that they they just can't have a strong 22 because at the times when they get, you know, high-quality talent, half, half of the time they leave, they go to Victoria. I mean, you've seen Stephen May, we've seen Dion Prestia, 
um, Isaac Rankin uh, over the last few years. And we, we look at the squad they put out on the weekend and, I mean, obviously some elite talent at the top end, but the guys who didn't really impact, like Sean Lemons, where's he at? Nick Holman, you know, former Blue, who has, hasn't really stood up at Gold Coast. Even Rory Atkins, to an extent, has been pretty good this year, but again, kind of a, tossed aside by the Adelaide Footy Club and then picked up by Gold Coast. It's it's kind of like they're getting everyone else's, um, you know, secondary players, and, and that's not what they're after. They, they should be able to build a list of their own that's, you know, quite strong and competitive, and, and I just don't think it's there right now. And the other thing facing them is probably all of their best players are midfielders. So, like, Sam Flanders has had a really good run as of late. Um, obviously, Noah Anderson, Matt Rowell, Took Miller. Um, throw in on top of that, you know, Elijah Hollins was supposed to be a midfielder. Bailey Humphrey was supposed to be a midfielder. So there's a ton of names there um, that, you know, they can't all do the same role. So they've got to really have a look at that list properly. If they get someone like a Damien Hardwick, um, the first thing I'd do if I was Dimmer was, you know, sort out your list management, go really hard at a couple of free agents who, um, you know, have experience but just aren't guys that are struggling to get into their own team side. You, you want players that are break, breaking the door down, and, and Gold Coast just don't have that right now. Yeah, I'll tell you one player that I've been impressed with uh, recently is actually Mac Andrew. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I actually really like the, the three-headed dragon they're, they're building down there. I mean, Charlie Ballard is probably alongside Sam Taylor as one of the best intercept marks in the competition, and they're both so young, which is incredibly exciting. Mac Andrew's starting to build some form, as he touched on as well. And then Sam Collins, who's obviously, you know, stood up since he came over from the Dockers. So I, I really like those three down back. Up forward, obviously, Ben King and Jack Lukosius are there too. Levi Casbolt's 33, so they're not sure how much longer he sticks around. But again, that's not really clicking. Um, and then, yeah, in comparison, you look at an Adelaide. When they have their best six out there, it's, you know, Rankin, Walker, Phil Thorpe, Fogarty, um, Rochelle. Like, it's stacked with talent, and I just don't think Gold Coast have that quite yet. Adding to that, you know, Will Powell, depending on how the severity of his, his injury, um, is, is another major blow down back for them. On to Adelaide and Gold Coast fantasy rep. So Mitch Hinge across halfback, 124 points from him with Brody Smith moving up the ground a little bit. Hinge is actually racking up some pretty decent fantasy points here. Yeah, it was a good afternoon for the halfback flankers, I think. Um, they found plenty of footy. Uh, again, that, that lack of pressure from the Gold Coast forwards certainly opened the door up right for them. And, Hinge took full advantage of that. He's had a pretty good year. From a fantasy perspective, Like he, he was one that I think a couple of people were looking at early because he does have a tendency to be able to go 80-90. Um, he just didn't quite live up to that hype. You know, he's probably yeah been a 60-70 guy for most of the year with some lower scores and then some higher ones. And um, he just you know he's never really been like a top six contention or um, a guy that could make make you a ton of money, which is a bit frustrating. Like uh, over the entire season, he's made 160, and amongst that. He hasn't had some great scores. So, um, yeah, maybe one to watch for next year. Like, he's certainly entrenched in the 22. I can't see it going anywhere. It's just whether or not he can take that next step and, you know, become more like a Brody Smith who, who can average, you know, 20 disposals a week, whereas Hinge can, you know, go 30 and other times he can drop down to that 15 mark. Matt Cratch, 120. So, again, value here uh, for season-long fantasy. Uh, I think uh, he's still value, I would say, for me. I'm not too sure about your thoughts here. Yeah, he's still making money, uh, and yeah, he's going to be low 700s, so certainly value for a guy that can go 100 a week, uh, and nice to see him do it in consecutive weeks. Obviously, the, the 80 on return, 105 an hour, 120, so you, you can tell he's, he's going to be there for the rest of the year, and clearly he can hit that consistently. Um, Brisbane's going to be a tough task at the Gabba, but as I mentioned, the, uh, the Swans and the Eagles in the last two 
would be a, yeah a great result um, and especially that that grand final week depending on what you're going with um, if you're trying to find some like cash a downgrade to Matt Crouch against the Eagles would be great so um, maybe one to watch um, heading into the final two the, the Brisbane game is a little bit tricky but again if you cash draft he's a downgraded M8 that can certainly help you elevate something else Jordan Dawson it was a very slow start but he got there in the end 98 points yeah funny old one that um he just wasn't as impactful as he has been over the, the past few weeks, even the whole season, to be honest. But, yeah, still found a way to, to push towards 100. They obviously didn't quite crack that ton, but reliable. Um, uh, unfortunate if anyone backed him as the skipper, I think he would have been in a lot of people's top fives. But, um, obviously, the Bulldogs were just so dominant on Friday night that hopefully most people had a, a vice-captain loophole out of that. So, yeah, D- Dawson... Uh, unfortunately, didn't hit the heights we'd hoped against what can be deemed a weaker opponent. But again, he still finds a way to score. Sam Flanders has been super consistent. 94 points from him again. Yeah, really liked um, being able to see him a little bit more as well in the absence of Tuke Miller, just to see how he could go um, probably with a little bit more midfield time, considering he, he hasn't had high CBA numbers, but he certainly rotates through there um, mm. across most games. And yeah, he certainly um, you know grabbed a hold of that. Um, Sammy, he ended up with 11 uh, centre bounce appearances, which is a couple more than he's probably been getting the last few weeks, and yeah, high disposal numbers, um, probably not as many marks, which is why he didn't go as big as he should have. But just yeah, easily one of the Suns' best players right now. Like from being able to see him in person um, on the weekend was quite exciting. Um, he is a hardcore runner, plenty of pace, beautiful delivery, um, and yet yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with him in the future because. A couple of times we kind of saw him start at half forward and then he uh, at the centre bounce he would charge in. Um, and that's kind of what he's been doing the past few weeks as well. Like, we touched on that flurry and plethora of midfielders that Gold Coast have. Like, Where does he fit in the grand scheme of things? Um, considering Anderson and Rowell, your future, is Flanders the guy that starts to get a little bit more of a go with, with Tuke Miller kind of... He's, he's still young enough to... Like, he, he's getting older, but he's not... Um, on his way out by any means. So it's, it's a tricky one that Stephen King's going to have to balance. On to round 21 fantasy wrap. So we'll wrap up three players in this first uh, discussion here. It's Marcus Bontempelli, 151 points, huge Friday night game. Uh, Tom Liberatore just getting it done nearly every week in another type player. Uh, high contested type ball there as well, 133 points. And super consistent, high ceiling type player, Tim English, 131 points. Your thoughts here? Yeah, English to Bunt seems to be the go-to. Like <laughs> he's winning most taps, Tim English, and then yeah, feeding it beautifully to the, the man who will now be the Brownlow Medal favourite. And what that does mean, I guess, is firstly the Western Bulldogs obviously in the hunt for finals. They're they're part of that chasing pack, so they're in sixth at the moment. But there's a lot of teams that can still force their way in. So every game is crucial for the Bulldogs, which means they you know they're going to play to their best. On top of that, Bontempelli would be eyeing off Charlie, which I think is going to help his form. Like he, he was easily best on ground on Friday night. Uh, and, and we'll continue to look ahead to try and rack up a couple more three voters with Hawthorne and West Coast in the next two weeks. Like, that's just um, juicy for a player that's already the best midfielder in the competition from a fantasy perspective and playing perspective. Um, he should have a field day over the next fortnight. So um, that's enticing. And, and similar to Tim English, you know, Hawthorne leak a lot of scoring through their rucks. West Coast and Geelong do the same. So his next three on the run home, um, you know, He'll easily be the best ruckman in the competition and, and the guy that people will be looking to captain. And if you're really struggling and you can't get to Bont, then as you mentioned, Liberatore, another serviceable player who's had a plenty of big scores across the campaign. Um, he's probably the guy you could get to if you're struggling to just get to that million mark with Bont. Um, you know, in the 900,000, low 900,000s, Tom Liberatore, he's 
a tackling machine. Um, we know that you know Bevo has a bit of a roulette the way that he goes about his mids, but it, it feels like Bont and, and Liberatore are the guys that are at least entrenched in there, and that third spot certainly rotates, but um, it doesn't seem to affect Tom Liberatore. 128 points from Zach Merritt. The Eagles almost lost number one draft pick there late in that game. So Zach Merritt, super consistent. Obviously, captain option there as well. Yeah, funny one with Essendon. They just haven't really hit the heights that we'd been expecting over the past few weeks. Um, Merritt's, yeah, super consistent. Um, almost took a back seat in a way, like still incredibly um, strong with his scoring. And, and Darcy Parrish, you know, really stood up as well um, and almost felt more like a, you know, the, the more important player on the ground across the night. But Zach Merritt continues to you know, score despite that, which is great. I mean, Parrish had missed a fair bit of footy through the middle of the year and, and clearly, you know, when they're together, it doesn't hurt either of them. So they continue to rack up the footy. Uh, and, yeah, Merritt, Merritt throughout the year has shown that he's easily a top-eight midfielder, if not probably the, the second-best guy who's a pure midfielder um, alongside Marcus Bontempelli. Um, and, and, again, the, the West Coast game was one that a lot of us targeted. Um, I had him as my, my loophole option and... Yeah, worked to perfection with 128 North Melbourne this coming weekend's another really um, you know tasty matchup. The Giants and Collingwood to finish where he should do okay. So um, yeah, merits a great one to have on the run home. James Sisley 160 points. So Collingwood had no intention actually just to match up with him, and he took 90 marks there. Solid game. Yeah, it's just so volatile. James Sisley is that he can literally win and and cost you a final, uh, and that's kind of been how he's, he's performed his whole career, you know. And the last few weeks are certainly more better than worse, 121.95 and now 160. Like, he'll be the guy that I think most people will move Nick Dacos to now this week. Um, but again, you never know when he's going to pull, like, a really shocking game out of his hat. Um, they're playing in Tassie this weekend against the Western Bulldogs, where he traditionally does quite well. So hopefully, yeah, his scoring run continues. Melbourne and Fremantle after that. Um, the Dockers, obviously, their forward pressure can be pretty full-on. Uh, Melbourne's, yeah, their forward line struggling a little bit. So um, I think I think he is the guy now. I, most people, I assume, would have you know, Jack Sinclair, Sam Doherty from here. So um, Dacos moving to Sicily is, yeah, is, is probably the right move from here. Uh, Geelong on Saturday night for Port Adelaide, and Zach Butters was quite strong through that midfield, 130 points from him. Yeah, back to his best, and he, he really had to stand up, unfortunately. Like, Port Adelaide had been smashed by illness and injury, so half of their squad was gone, and um, mentioned it in the show on Saturday morning that, that Geelong have been struggling a lot with their clearances. They're one of the worst teams in the league. So that, that was kind of the area that Port could have capitalised with, was um, you know Connor Rosie and Zach Butters combining for a big game, and they did just that. Um, plenty of run, plenty of pace. They did everything they could to try and wheel the side over the line and just fell short, so... Um, a much-needed return to form for Zach, who had kind of fallen out of favour in terms of the top six forwards and showed what he can do. So um, hopefully it's yeah more of the best for those who still have him, uh, considering it's finals time and um, there's not a lot you can really do with him. Like um, He's out of the Brownlow contention purely because he just had a really poor couple of weeks. But between he and McRae, Sheasel and, and Daniel, you're kind of looking at that last spot with the, with the top five kind of already set. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be in any urgency to, to move him on. That being said, the Giants this coming weekend, sometimes with Perryman, like to throw a tag in, and Talon Ward. Is Zach Butters the guy they go to, um, possibly? We'll wrap up three players in one hit here, and it was uh, GWS and Sydney at Giants Stadium on Saturday night. And it was a bit of weather about in this game. So Tom Green, awesome numbers inside, 141 points. 
Errol Gordon on the outside. He was outstanding again, 132 points. And Callum Mills could have returned to form, 117 points. Yeah, massive one with, with Green. Um, just so frustrating that he had that injury because he was putting together such a good year yeah. and was obviously started so underpriced. Most of us would have had him. And, and now he's you know averaging 110. He's going to be a, certainly an uber premium next year and, and a hard-to-justify option considering those that are around him. But, um, I mean, keeper draft, like he, he's an excellent young player that's yeah, going to be um, one for the future. Callum Mills, really nice to see him um, finally hit a ton. Um, oh, I didn't jump on him because I was purely waiting to see if he could eventually get there. Some people went early, just hoping that you know he'd bottomed out with his price, and now is the time to get on. And um, finally, they've got some reward for it. Hopefully, they still had him and hadn't got rid of him by that point, considering it is finals. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good sign that hopefully next year he'll be a super underpriced option. You know, averaging 82, that he can be go back to the player that we knew him as as the hundred kind of guy. So um, yeah couple of good signs across that Sydney derby. Um, I just, I'm just so confused with the Swans at times. Like even with Callum Mills scoring, they're another team like Gold Coast who have a ton of players who can play midfield, and you never really know who's going to get that go from week to week. Sometimes Luke Park is up forward, sometimes he's in the guts. Um, I mean, Braden Campbell running around on the wing as well. Like you're seeing a lot of guys fluctuate in their scoring with Sydney, and I'd, I'd just like to see it settle a little bit with their 22. Yeah, John Longmire, our Sydney coach, is is pretty big on flexibility in that team, and obviously Callum Mills provides uh, plenty of flexibility, uh, ability to play multiple roles there as well. Uh, so the next one here is a bit of a retirement uh, narrative, and that's Jack Zebel, 138 points. It, it actually just in the end it felt like unders to me because he got a quite quite large, so he's probably going to be a pretty big target towards the uh, final three rounds of the home and away season. Yeah, he's massive, and it's, it's so frustrating that the past few weeks he's been the sub because we just know how good he is. Like Even when he was the sub and he was playing on limited minutes, he was scoring so heavily in the time he was on ground that, um, you know, I understand the need to play youth, but you still need a senior leader down there, and obviously you want to win games, and Jack Siebel certainly makes them more competitive. So it's a toss of the coin what happens from here. You know, you can take a punt on him, um, and if he plays a full game, um, he's going to be... You know, a good 100 player with Wardlaw and the um, app injured, it means Sheasel's kind of playing more midfield time and has opened up Zeeble a lot more for, for his ceiling. But there's every chance that he gets dropped and goes to a sub and then completely ruins your final series. So he's certainly a more affordable option considering how much money he's dropped over the past few weeks. But the risk factor is going to be very high. So fingers mm. crossed for anyone that, that does have a gamble on him. I'll wrap up two players in one hit here, and it's Nick Newman. It was a very good matchup for him against St Kilda. He uh, throws in 139 points there, and Brad Crouch won 26 points. So Jack's still a little bit quiet, had had some roles in that midfield for the Saints, and Brad Crouch gets there with 126 points. Yeah, funny one that um, I don't think Steele or Crouch ha- had more than a touch in the last quarter. <laughs> like, and, and that just goes to show how impressive um, Brad Crouch was in the opening stages of the game, that, that he and Steele just didn't impact at all in that final term. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see that he, they can still kind of score together. Like, Steele, obviously, frustrating that he's still relying heavily on his tackles to make any sort of impact. And when he has those bigger games, he's doing, yeah, disposal and tackle, but he can't really do it as a pure midfielder. He's getting 30 and um, not applying that pressure. So... I just want to, we just want to see him back to his best, obviously. And when he was that, he was, you know, yeah, your 30 disposal player who was getting around the ground and really leading the side. But yeah, at the moment, he's just more of a tackling machine who can fluctuate up and down in form. 
And Brad Crouch seems like the more reliable guy, which is something we weren't, certainly weren't thinking at the start of the year. And then the Nick Newman one, like, what a run of form he's had. Generally, mm-hmm. you always kind of target him in your draft leagues, depending on the matchup. Like, when he has an opponent like the Saints, he can go massive. Often, other times, he's a 60 kind of guy. But the last five weeks, he's had 400s and a 90. Like, yeah. ridiculous, the late-season surge that he's had. I'll wrap up three players in one hit here to finish off the podcast, and that's Luke Jackson, Caleb Sarong, Hayden Young. So Luke Jackson, a very, very good matchup against RC40, gets there with a massive score, 149 points. Sarong in that midfield, quite strong, 125 points. Hayden Young starts on Lockie Neal, and he throws in uh, 119 points there. Yeah, Jackson's a really exciting option from here. Like As we've touched on, he's a, a sole ruckman. The, the hardest part was, I think we mentioned in last week's podcast, was avoid the Brisbane game because of Oscar McInerney and then the run home West Coast Port Hawthorne was the go and then Oscar McInerney doesn't get named he's injured and they bring Darcy Ford in and you reap the rewards a week early because he drops a 149 has a massive game and the draw opens right up for him from here so he's certainly a guy to target if not in your forward line if you're struggling to get to an elite option in the ruck like um, Luke Jackson could be the guy because I really like his scoring potential from here um, Hayden Young, that move into the midfield has worked wonders for him. Her, you know, a guy at times at the halfback line um, could score high because of his marking potential with plus sixes, but would have the odd quarter where he wouldn't touch the ball. He'd go like 40 and a quarter and then completely disappear and not score. So um, we're starting to see a little bit more consistency based on that midfield role. Um, hopefully, considering we've still got three weeks to go, doesn't impact his positioning heading into next year. But I love a mid defender. It shouldn't really, considering he spent most of the year down back, but um, maybe a DPP option next year, which would be quite exciting. Uh, and then Caleb Sarong, yeah, we, we've mentioned him a lot across the year, that he, he took the next step this season, and a very, very consistent player. Like, when was the last time he went under 100 and going way back, round 8, which was a 90? Like, he, he's, he hasn't had that monster games in terms of like a captain potential, but he's a premium option that you can just set and forget, which is incredibly exciting considering he hasn't hurt Brayshaw in doing that. Like the two of them, absolute dynamic duo, um, combining for some really good scores to the point where I'm looking at their averages and wondering, you know, Sarong might be the higher price player heading into next year, which is quite funny. Um, So, yeah, a a great year for those who started with Caleb Sarong. Where can the listeners find you this week, Aaron? So they can find me at Aaron Bryans on Twitter. We've got the Port Adelaide game, which I believe closes out the round next weekend at um, Port Adelaide and the Giants, which is a pretty big one. I mean, GWS's losing streak coming to an end um, puts them in the firing line. They're, they're currently right in the eight. Um, the assumption was they'd probably get the job done against Sydney, and they didn't. So now they, they're really fighting for that position and to stay in the eight. And Port Adelaide, meanwhile, have dropped down to fourth and probably just need one more win to entrench themselves in that top four, but they'd still believe they could try and push for second. And the other issue is if they lose to GWS, they go five consecutive losses, which is massive for a team that's heading into a qualifying final in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, big game to close out the rounds next weekend. You can find me at AFL Ratings, Pete, on Twitter, aflratings.com.au. For a stake of fantasy information, AFL Ratings and associated Twitter accounts there as well. Well, Aaron... All the best for your planning for your trades this week, and we'll speak to you at the end of round 22. Thanks, mate.